questions and answers. Do you ever go through trials and wonder how some people can remain so joyful during these difficult times? What can I do to remain joyful? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will be sharing a message from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in which he will discuss the biblical foundations to having lasting joy. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat with part two. And there always lingers in the back of their minds that they may only have a short while to enjoy their boys while they're here on this earth. Well, this past summer, we were all at Mount Hermon together at family camp. And at the, near the middle of the camp, Ian, their older son, 14 years old, was suffering from shortness of breath. And so knowing that this is something more than asthma, they brought him to the hospital where it was discovered that his heart was quickly failing and he would need a heart transplant immediately or he was going to die. Well, days went by and Ian's condition worsened to the point where he could no longer walk or breathe on his own. There in the hospital of San Francisco, they were there for weeks watching Ian's condition deteriorate, praying, wondering if indeed there would be a heart donor that would be a match for Ian. Ian nearly died, but in the final moments, a donor was found and Ian was given a new heart. But through those very dark days, I asked Randy and Jill, how were they able to experience joy in such a dark moment in their life? And Randy and Jill said, well, we're not out of the tunnel yet. Someday, Micah's going to need a heart transplant. And, you know, the transplant doesn't cure it. There will be more coming down the line, and we know. And one of the most powerful moments in our interview came when Jill said this. She said, this was not the journey that I wanted for me and my family. This is not the way it was supposed to go. But through it all, God's word came more alive than ever. And God's presence became more real than I have ever known. And knowing one day that this will all be over and we'll be together in glory forever brought me joy even in the midst of a pain I could not bear. And she said, you know, people have said, oh, Randy, Jill, you have such big shoulders that you can bear such great suffering. And Jill said, absolutely not. She said, this is a pain I cannot bear. Hey, but for the grace of God, but for knowing that I may not have my boys much longer, knowing that one day this comes to an end and we spend forever eternally in glory, never having to say goodbye again, is what brings me joy, even in this most difficult time. And there are a couple that have been able to rise above their circumstances. And even in this most difficult time, what brought them through and gave them joy was understanding God's person, God's presence, God's promises, and God's providence. So our life application is this we got to develop a whole new basis for joy. If joy is going to be the hallmark of every believer in Christ, we cannot build joy on getting what we want or things going our way. 
Developing a new basis of joy is this. Joy is built on understanding God's presence, God's person, God's providence, and God's promises. You build it on that. Okay? You may not be happy all the time, but joy is different. You build it on those four, you'll have a joy that can never be taken away. That's how it's possible, as Paul says, to be joyful always. That is possible, but you've got to build it on those four. So the first exhortation Paul gives us is to be joyful always. The second builds on that, and that is to be prayerful. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Once again, in the present active imperative. In other words, this is a command, all right? Pray without ceasing. Always pray, all right? Now, Paul is not saying spend all day in a monastery and pray, all right? The adverb there, pray continually or without ceasing, was used of a hacking cough. In other words, as a hacking cough continues with you throughout the day, so we are to pray consistently throughout the day. All right? And whenever the need arises, we give a hacking cough. All right? In other words, whenever the need arises in you, you pray. You're stressed out, you pray. You're worried about something going on in your kid's school, pray. Worried about the job situation, pray. You just received great news, praise God. Whenever the moment arises, and whenever you feel that need, pray throughout the day. Consistent prayer keeps us dependent upon God. Consistent prayer keeps us engaged with God throughout the day, and we become more aware of God's will and His working in our lives. Because prayer keeps us in tune with God, and we become aware of His involvement and how He's moving in our lives and when He is answering prayer. So many times I'm in my life, and I'm going, man, God's not doing anything in my life. And people always stop me and say, you prayed about it? And it's kind of like, duh, no. All right, let's get to it. Since we're in a relationship, God wants us to pray. And often, he waits for us to pray before he moves. That's why in Luke 18, Jesus exhorted his disciples to pray constantly and never give up. Prayer is when we bring God into our life placing the burdens that belong to him on him okay, and taking them off our shoulders. And as you're praying throughout the day, you're more in tune with the hand of God moving in your life, and you're going to start seeing prayers get answered. And that's when God becomes so real in your life. You can connect my stress life and mood to my prayer life directly. All right, because when I'm not praying, I'm carrying burdens. I don't need to be carrying. They belong to God. When we were in Nepal, they have what's called, how many have you been to Nepal? Hey, one, two, all right. They have what's called the Sherpa, right? And the Sherpa, they carry your luggage for you, all right? They are absolutely incredible. I mean, I've seen them carry suitcases on their shoulder, whoo, way right up the mountain. Okay? And they go so fast. You know, they're up there for a couple of days waiting for us before we finally get up there. All right. But anyway, I had my pack on and the Sherpa there, skinny little guy, half my size in slippers. All right. Almost bare feet sitting there and we're walking up the trail together. And he says, sir, let me take your bag. And of course, being the prideful guy I am, I looked and said, no, I can do it. 
You know, I am a man. I can do it. I've been working out, man. I'm going to do it. And so here I am struggling to take it up the mountain, and he's got a small little pack on, and he says, sir. He keeps saying, sir, let me take your pack. I'm like, no, man, I can do it. I can do it. And I'm going up there. I'm sweating. I'm absolutely miserable going up this mountain. And this Sherpa is just smiling, and he's walking next to me, saying, constantly going, sir, give me your bag. I'm like, no, no, man, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I'm not going to be outdone by you, skinny little man, you know. <laughs> We're going. Finally, about uh, not even halfway up, I was just simply exhausted. And he said, sir, I said, here, take it. Go, go, go. <laughs> and uh, whoop, it was right up the mountain. Gone. About half an hour, I can't even see him. He's gone. And so I'm moving up the mountain. But this time, I don't have a pack on me. And I'm cruising up the mountain. Guess what? Suddenly, I notice how beautiful everything is. I mean, I'm going up the Himalayas, all right? I mean, this is where Mount Everest is. This is the hiker's paradise. For three days, I didn't notice just how beautiful the surroundings were around me. Why? Because in my pride, I'm carrying my backpack. I am suffering. I'm carrying a burden I didn't have to carry. I'd just given it to the guy. I'd be having a great time. But instead, I, in pride, I chose to carry that pack, carry that burden, and I was, I was just absolutely miserable the whole time. Well, finally, when I gave it over to him, and whoop, he disappeared. Now, without that pack on me, I am just having a great time. As I'm going up, suddenly I'm noticing the greenery around me, the villages around me, the mountains, the air, all of that. Suddenly, I'm noticing that. And that's how it is in our life as believers in Christ, isn't it? We are carrying a burden that we're not meant to carry. And God, the Holy Spirit, is next to us saying, hey, why don't you give that to me? And we're saying, no, 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 I can do it. I can figure this thing out, all right? I can figure out how to do this with my kids. I can figure out how to work out of this situation at work. I can figure, yeah. We're carrying the burden we weren't meant to carry. And the Holy Spirit is next to us going, give it to me, give it to me. All right, finally, when we humble ourselves and we get on our knees and we pray and we said, all right, Lord, here you go. Jesus in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Place your burden upon me. He says, I want to give you rest. And when we pray, that's what we do. And when that pack is off, you're looking around at life going, wow, this is kind of fun. Look at all the blessings God has brought into my life. Look at all the ways he's answering prayer. Look at all the ways he's moving. When we take that burden that didn't belong to us and place it on someone that's a lot better prepared to handle the situation and take care of things than we are. Often we think God is not working in our lives, but if you keep a prayer journal, and that's one of the, I hope, one of the resolutions you make. If you would keep a prayer journal and write down all your prayer requests, and then you write down when God answers them, you might be surprised to find out how active he is in your life. Your prayers may not get answered the way you want, but indeed you're going to discover they get answered. So I hope a new resolution we can all make, and I'm going back to this again after being off it for several months, to list all your prayers for yourself, but also that you have for others. Carry that list with you throughout the day. Review it regularly. Pray when those issues come to your mind, when the Holy Spirit brings them to the forefront of your mind. Then write down 
when and exactly how your prayers are answered. And you'll be surprised at how active God is working in your life, perhaps in ways you never even noticed before. So the second exhortation to be prayerful, pray always. And the third exhortation, give thanks in all circumstances. The third exhortation is to be thankful, to have an attitude of gratitude always. And Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, the Greek word there is eucharisteo. The root of the word is charis. Charis means grace. So thankfulness or gratitude means recognizing and appreciating God's grace and unearned blessings that have been given to us. So important is the attitude of gratitude. Greek philosopher Cicero said this. Cicero argued that gratitude is the parent of all virtues, a virtue that begets all other virtues. The cultivation of gratitude develops character, the embodiment of desired virtues. The art of maintaining a grateful disposition engenders other virtues such as generosity, Humility, compassion, wisdom, joy, integrity, and trust. So important is having a thankful heart. There are tons of passages throughout the Bible teaching us to thank God always. The Psalms are filled with chapters exhorting us to thanksgiving. We can thank the fact that in all things, Romans 8.28, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The fact that he is working in all things, orchestrating things behind the scene, bringing about his purpose, which is for our good and his glory, is the basis on which we can be thankful in all circumstances. Paul never instructed the church or us to thank God for evil, but to thank God that even in evil times and in difficult circumstances, our hope remains and God continues to work in our lives, bringing things together for his glory and for our good. Thankfulness is extremely important, not because God is an egomaniac, all right, and says, thank me, thank me. Everybody say, hey, come on, thank me. God wants us to be thankful, not only because it honors him, but it is for our good. A heart of gratitude leads to joy. All right? Very important point. It's not being joyful that makes you grateful. It's a heart of gratitude that leads to joy. Gratitude is the basis which develops a joyful heart. We are not grateful because we have joy. It's gratitude that leads to joy. Okay, that's a very important point. When we are a thankful people, we are a joyful people. That's why it's so important, God says, okay, to give thanks. You miss out on all the blessings, the grace that has been showered upon our lives every day when we constantly think about what we don't have instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for the things I do have. One of the things I don't like doing, but I need to do. And it's always 
sobering and a great reminder whenever I do it is to go and visit some of my friends who are in the hospital. Because visiting the hospital makes me realize how much I have to be thankful for. You know, we often think I'm not blessed because I do not have such and such. Instead, we need to change our perspective and say, man, I'm blessed. And I'm thankful to the Lord because I have such and such. You know, when I'm touring the cancer ward with young children, it just hits you on the head, all the blessings that we have. You know, I was talking to a young lady and under cancer treatment, sitting up in bed, and I was talking to her briefly, and I said, how's your day? She said, it's a great day. Great day. I said, why? Why is it a great day? She said, man, I could drink a glass of milk. I was able to drink a glass of milk. I said, why? You usually can't? She goes, no. She goes, usually one or two sips, and I'm throwing everything up. She said, man, I could drink a whole glass of milk. And I thought, good night. I do that every day. I do that a dozen times every day. And she's thankful that she can drink one glass. Go over to the next young man sitting there going chemotherapy, completely bald. And he looks over at me, and I look at him, and I say, how's your day going? He says, man, good. I said, why? He goes, I think I saw some hair. And I looked, and I said, man, I've got hair. I mean, this guy's thankful. He's got a couple strands of hair. I got hair. Wow. Good friend of mine, his daughter, Sherry's in the hospital. She cannot walk. And saw her in the hospital looking at her Facebook entries and so joyful. I said, Sherry, well, how are things going? She says, great. I said, why? She goes, I walked down the hall today. I could actually walk. Man, we do that all the time, huh? I was just walking a golf course the other day, so upset because I had a triple bogey, you know? And here's a girl who can't even walk, so grateful she can just walk down the hall. Went to another person and a young man, and I said, how's your day going? He said, man, it's going great. Why? I was able to eat a bowl of rice. I thought, wow, you know, I get mad when there's wasabi on my sushi. This guy's just happy to eat a bowl of rice. You know, so it's funny because after that, I went to a restaurant and ordered sushi, and it had, I told him to take out the wasabi. That's awful. How do you guys eat that stuff? Man, that's awful. God, who invented that? And I took it away, and guess what? It had wasabi. And I was, you know, I was about to throw a fit at the, at the waiter. But then I, you know, thought about my friend and said, what am I complaining about? I actually, through all the pain and suffering, enjoyed sushi with wasabi. How do we develop a lifestyle of gratitude? Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay? It's dangerous if you don't. It's really dangerous if you don't. I was being lectured by one of my former students just a couple of days ago, and rightfully so. You know, we were sitting in a restaurant, and he said, hey, you going to do my brother's wedding? I said, no, I don't want to do his wedding. And uh, he said, why not? I said, well, he wants to do it in this particular place. And, you know, and, and I didn't enjoy my time there. And, and there's some people who are pretty nasty, you know, and, uh, and I don't want to see them again. It brings back all kind of bad memories. I just want to leave that stuff behind and leave it behind for good looked at me and he said, man, you got the wrong perspective. I said, what do you mean? He says, dad, he said, you ought to be thankful for all the lives, the incredibly difficult circumstances you were in while you were there. And yet look at all the lives you touched for Christ. And many of us have gone on into leadership positions because of the life you poured into us. Many of us were going into the wrong direction. My brother, after all these years, he wants you to do his wedding. You of all people, okay, the guy that doesn't do weddings, 
He wants you to do it. And he says, think about it. And I said, well, yes, you have a point there. He says, you're just looking at the few people that, that went after you and the difficult situations you were in. But look, you're missing all the blessing you got and the blessings you were to others. And I thought about it for a while. And he said, and think about all the things God brought you through. There were some powerful, powerful people that wanted to take you down. Powerful, influential people that they were out to take you down. All right. And you know what? They never did. God stood behind you. God held you up. They're no longer there. God saw you through and you're doing better than ever. And really, you shouldn't be. If you just look at the circumstances, you know, it's David and Goliath. You shouldn't be in ministry. All right. These are powerful people looking to take you down. But God held you up. You ought to sit back and count all your blessings while you were there. And the fact that, you know, we want you back here hey, to, to be there, to do this wedding. And I thought about it for a while, and I said, well, I said, Eric, you know, you're right. You're right. It's the wrong perspective. Huh? And it's a dangerous thing when we don't have an attitude of thankfulness or gratitude. It builds in bitterness and can lead to depression. Well, how do we develop? A lifestyle of gratitude. Well, this is your life application here. And I learned it from going through difficult times, but also being reminded of it from my good friend David the other day. David, being a doctor, says, I got to deal with hundreds of depressed patients. And he says, this works almost every time. And he says, this is how we help them break out of that. He says, we ask them to keep a gratitude journal. Each day, each day, write down at least three things that they are thankful for. Write down at least three things. And he said, you know, when we see our patients do it for just one week, it has months of benefits. He said, imagine if they did it every day for the next several years, how it could transform their lives. And he said, in just one week of doing this, it's got months of benefits. And that's what the psalmist does. Right? He's constantly thanking the Lord for whatever situation he may be in. Paul is commanding us, give thanks in all circumstances. That's how important an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness is. So make that a commitment this year to have a gratitude journal. Log in each day at least three things you're thankful for. And you're going to discover the blessings that have been going on in your life the active hand of God going on that you're probably missing because you're not stopping to reflect and think about all the grace that has been showered upon our lives. So these are three exhortations. They're not just suggestions. Paul says here, be joyful always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And these are not just good suggestions. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's not only an exhortation for every believer. It's literally the will of God. So in building a great attitude as we charge into the new year, remember these three commands. Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that we would be a people who are characterized by an everlasting, never-ending joy, that we would be a people never ceasing in prayer, humbly dependent upon you, always thankful for the grace that is showered upon us each day. I pray that this would be the hallmark of Midlani Community Church and all churches around the world, 
that call upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including Pat's books, additional articles, and audio. Be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah.